Welcome to the CCF Iowa podcast. We're going to be continuing with our For Everyone series by covering the last chapter of Matthew, chapter 28. And I wanted to remind you, one of the things that we talked about last time, uh, instead of doing Matthew chapter 27, we did the crucifixion story from the Gospel of Mark. Now, this week we're going to hop back to doing Matthew and finish off. Uh, and the first thing we're going to talk about is, is the resurrection. And um, sometimes there's significant events that happen, and I would argue that the resurrection is arguably the most significant event ever to have happened in human history. Um, but there's some significant events that you just kind of want to listen to the story of it and let that marinate over you as opposed to trying to dive in depth. Now, now we are going to do some depth finding and depth seeking, uh, in, in other parts of Matthew 28. I just want to start with the, just the simple beauty of the resurrection story. And, and so please listen now, uh, to Matthew 28. Verses 1 through 10, Jesus' resurrection. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. And the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. But a reminder that the, the gospel authors are, are wanting to emphasize different things to their audience. And, and so that's why they've, they've taken different facets of the story um, and, and put those as the main centerpieces of, of the resurrection tale. But this is, that's what Matthew had to say about the resurrection story and, and the important things that he wanted to know, that the women were the ones who found the empty tomb. And that I, I think it was really cool that, that it echoes a couple times um, that the disciples are to meet with Jesus in Galilee. Now, a reminder, Jesus was crucified just outside of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is in the southern part of Israel, and Galilee is a little bit more centrally located from a north-south perspective in the nation of Israel. And, and so going back to Galilee isn't just like a quick little thing. It would take about a seven-day walk, a week's journey, to go from Galilee to Jerusalem or from Jerusalem to Galilee. And, and so... Jesus is actually asking quite a bit of his disciples as to where he wants to meet them. And that's the place that they meet up for the next part of this story, uh, where the Great Commission happens. 
So again, I wanted to remind you that geography is important to Matthew. He, he has a geographic flow to his narrative, and certain things happen in certain locations for certain reasons. And so Jesus asks the disciples to go back to Galilee to give them the Great Commission. So let's go ahead and read that passage now. Uh, this is from Matthew 28, and we're going to do verses 16 to the end, verse 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now that's the very last thing that Jesus says in the Gospel of Matthew. It's kind of what he leaves the disciples with. Now, that's somewhat significant because I think sometimes we, we conflate this Great Commission with Jesus' ascension. And, and Matthew doesn't detail the ascension. Uh, we get a lot more of that in, in Luke. And, uh, and, and then Luke repeats that story even when he writes the beginning of the book of Acts. And the ascension, the thing about that is, is according to what the text is saying in Luke, that actually occurs at the Mount of Olives. Um, that region in, in Jerusalem where, where, where Jesus was uh, bef right before he was betrayed and taken and put on the cross. That's where Jesus does the ascension from. Not Galilee. Not whatever mountain he's on here, which doesn't say a specific mountain. It just says to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Um, the thing about Galilee, too, is it's not really a mountainous region. It's got some hills. It's got some higher places. But nothing that would really be considered to be a mountain in Israel. Um, so there's there's places that are referred to as mounts. The Sermon on the Mount occurs in Galilee. Maybe they were up on that mount. Um, although some people say the Sermon on the Mount maybe should be called more the Sermon on the High Plain. Because that's just the topography uh, in and around the Sea of Galilee. So what's the mountain that they're on? Well, I've heard one person um, hypothesize that they actually were even further. Because the thing about Galilee, it's not just the towns located around the Sea of Galilee. It's that whole region. And the Sea of Galilee just kind of highlights that region. There's a lot more places. And, and further north even from the Sea of Galilee, there's more what you would refer to actually as as mountains, you, you've got the mountain uh, near Caesarea Philippi, Mount Hermon, where uh, I think the transfiguration happened. Again, we're not given specific details, but with some of the other geography that's going on, especially within the book of Matthew, it seems like the place of the transfiguration could happen. And, and that mountain is, is known as like Holy Mountain. And so it sometimes would make sense that if Jesus is saying go to the mountain, maybe he's like basically saying go, you know, go to the Holy Mountain. Uh, which would be Mount Hermon then. And so if that's the mountain that the disciples are going to, not only have they, take, have they taken a seven-day walk from Jerusalem back to the Sea of Galilee region, but they've gone like another two days north to get up to that mountain. And so they've got this really long time of walking. And, and not only are they walking, but they're passing by nearly every, every place where Jesus has taught them an important lesson. And so you have a cool idea here where Jesus, ever the rabbi, is asking his disciples to go back and physically pass by 
all the different places where he would have taught them during his ministry, during that three years that they've spent together being his disciples. It's this reminder in the last 40 days of Jesus' life, they spend, you know, maybe 20 of it walking to a mountain. And then since they go back to the Mount of Olives around Jerusalem for the where the ascension happens, they basically spent... 20 of their days simply walking and passing by all the different locations that Jesus taught them from. And now we're not given any indication if Jesus is with them on either of those journeys. Um, it sounds like after the resurrection, he says, I'll meet them there in Galilee on the, on the mountain. And so it sounds like Jesus isn't with them then, but maybe that walk back to the Mount of Olives for the place where he gave the Great Commission. Maybe that walk back he spends with them and he's reminding them and pointing out all the things. Remember what I taught you here. Remember when we passed by Caesarea Philippi and I said, that's where I'm going to build my church? Like, that's why I've been talking about these things. That's why I gave the Great Commission. Which, by the way, Mount Hermon would have been a lot closer to Caesarea Philippi. They could have maybe even seen some of those features that Jesus had pointed out when they were there and he was teaching and he was saying this is where I build my church amongst all of these pagan people who are worshiping other gods and other things this is where I build my church and then he gives them commission saying all authority is on heaven and earth has been given to me you don't need about worry about their pagan deities you don't need to worry about what they're worshiping because all authority has been giving given to me and so I want you to go and make disciples of all nations including these people who you weren't even willing to talk about before until I brought you up here to teach you about how God loves these people and how this is where I'm building my church. These are the kind of people you need to be making disciples of. Remember, our, 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 our theme throughout this whole book has been it's for everyone. The gospel is for everyone. Jesus is for everyone. God is for everyone. And so Jesus is reminding his disciples of that as he's charging them, saying, go, make disciples, baptize them. Remember who I said was included in that all nations. These are all the nations. These are all the people you should be reaching and trying to reach. And maybe when they go back down the Sea of Galilee, instead of going on the one side where all the Pharisees lived, they go on the other side where all the Gentiles lived. Or maybe, you know, because when they went up, they probably would have went through the Pharisee territory and they remembered those teachings. And then Jesus takes them back down on the other side of the lake. And they see all the Gentile cities and he's reminding them, these are the people that you need to be loving and discipling. These are the all nations that I was talking about during the Great Commission. Remember these things. And so we've got that whole geographic journey that's happening up to the very north part of Galilee, possibly, and, and back down all the way back to Jerusalem so they could see all the places that Jesus had taken them before and all remember all the lessons that he had taught them and all that he had shared and imparted on them before he eventually ascends into heaven. I think that's the thing we've got going on with the geography here. And then in verse 17, a passage that I already read, it says, this is when they're on the mountain in Galilee, right before the Great Commission is received. It says, when they saw him, when they saw Jesus, they worshipped him. But some doubted. These are his disciples. It talks about the 11 disciples, because Judas is no longer in the picture. We've just got the 11 disciples, and they're the ones who are showing up on this mountain. The disciples, the people who've walked with Jesus, the people who have been a part of this for three years, been hearing and learning everything from Jesus. They worshipped him, but some 
doubted. One of the things I want us to be carrying with us after this, going through this book of the Bible and remembering, is that when Jesus is for everyone, that means he's for the doubters too. And not only that, but he commissions the doubters. He gives this message, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Surely I'm with you, even if you're worshiping me now or you're doubting right now. I am with you always to the very end of the age. I want you to be going to all nations and baptizing them and discipling them, and being a part of their lives, and telling them about me, and following all the commands I've given you. It doesn't matter if you doubt right now. Go and do what I've asked you to do. I've faced plenty of doubts in my lifetime. I've had plenty of times where I'm not sure if I'm just wasting my time, if I'm just beating the air. What, if, what is it that I'm doing in following this Jesus guy? And through all of it, Jesus has been by my side. And there are times when I have great spiritual highs and I can really feel Jesus present. And I feel like I'm totally on the right track and I know I'm doing the right thing. And, and ministry is like a complete fulfillment of my life and it's my purpose and it's what I should be doing. And there are times when I feel like everything around me has fallen apart. And I'm messing up. And... I'm making poor choices or the people that I'm ministering to aren't aren't having their lives changed and and they're struggling as much as I am or or more and and they don't seem to understand and they're turning their backs on Jesus and the faith and and I don't know why none of these things are working when when I feel like I'm preaching and and giving teaching people God's word and it doesn't seem to be going right those are times when I doubt. And yet, because of what I've read in Scripture, because of what Jesus has filled me with, I still press on. Even though it can seem like utter foolishness in the moment, I press on. And God works through those times. Jesus lifts me up. And those down times, those times of doubting, are used to shape me and help me to preach a better message to all of you and to hear what God is doing and and use that and to remind me to be truthful and honest CCF our ministry the church these are places for doubters we can still be doing things for Christ even while we doubt and the amazing thing is how incredibly Jesus shows up in those moments. And so I want to encourage you, if you find yourself doubting, especially with how difficult, weird, these last year and a half or more has been. God's been working through that. He's definitely been strengthening me through that. Showing me all kinds of things through this past year. And that doesn't make it less difficult. Um, but it makes it worth it.
And then there's that commission itself specifically. Therefore, go. One of the things that the disciples did, one of the things that Jesus shared at in the ascension uh, that we can read about in the book of Acts, is he told them to, to go and minister in, in, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He gave them this kind of geographical directive. Make sure, you know, tell people in, in your neighborhoods, tell people in your town, tell people in, in your country, tell people across the world. It was these ever-extending geographic circles that he wanted them to be going and doing in order to make disciples of all nations. And that make disciples part, I think, is really important. A lot of times uh, when we read the Great Commission or when we're taught the Great Commission, we think of it as this charge to be people who convert others to Christ. And, and we win them to Christ, and we win the lost. And, and there's all kinds of cliches and catchphrases that you find in, in Christianity, and, and that's just not what Jesus is talking about here. He wants his disciples to make more disciples. And what did Jesus do to make disciples? He called 12 guys to him and said, follow me and do what I do and hear what I teach for three years. And go and do likewise. Now, throughout that time of discipling them, he was also sending them out. He sent them out two by two at one point in time. He's got this other time when he tells his disciples. And, and even beyond the 12, he, he sends 60 out to, to go and, and to teach what he has been teaching. And he says to tell them the message, the kingdom of heaven has come near. The kingdom of heaven has come near. And so those are the kind of messages that we're supposed to be teaching while we're discipling. And, and being willing to tell our disciples to also go and spread that message while they're becoming disciples who, who are learning how to themselves make disciples. But the thing about it is this is so much more of a process than just telling people, Hey, Jesus died for you and you should put, take him into your heart and I may never see you again, but know that message. I think that's a lot of times we think that's what evangelism is supposed to work look like. I knock on doors and I tell people, um, uh, have you heard about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Here's a booklet that tells you all about him. I'll never see you again now. What discipling looks like is, is getting in relationship with people, is getting into their stuff, is knowing who they are so that you can tell them about Jesus and so you can tell them how to tell others about Jesus and so that their lives will be transformed, that their lives will be better. Here's the thing about, about making disciples. I, I think not only is this complete calling that we need to be doing, but it's the best way to live our lives and it's the best way to help others to live their lives. And, and we should be living such, not perfect lives, we should be living such lives that others say, that person is different. Let me, I want to get to know them. I want to be their friend because they're a really good friend and they're a really generous person and they're filled with compassion. I want to know who they are so that I can know how to be that kind of person. And then even if they're already a Jesus person or if they don't even know who Jesus is yet, that's so overflowing in your lives and it's so evident that that makes your life worthwhile and purposeful and compassionate and generous and all those qualities that other people want to be in their heart of hearts. That they'll see it's because of Jesus that you're able to do those things and that your life has been transformed. They'll just go, well, man, let's do this Jesus thing too. Because then I can be that kind of person.
And you show them how Jesus helps you to be that kind of person. How he gives you hope, how he brings joy, how he gives you peace, how he helps you to endure through all the pain and trials and difficulties in life. They see what it means to be a disciple of Christ. It doesn't make you perfect. It doesn't make you bulletproof. It doesn't make you magically better and wealthier and healthier and happier. But it gives you the ability to endure and, and the way to look forward and have hope and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and all those fruits, fruit of the Spirit. That's what it means to make disciples. To be in relationship with other people so they see the Jesus in you and they want that Jesus in them too. And then they want to do that for others. And they want to be disciple makers because of the way that you've discipled them. That's what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about the Great Commission. And he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I've got a whole other lesson that I could give on baptism and the importance of that. But I think right there, it's part of the Great Commission. Jesus wants you to do it. He did it himself. We should probably baptize people. That's all I'm going to say about that right now. And then the teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Listen to Jesus' commands. Go back, read the Sermon on the Mount. I think that's foundational and kind of really you know, gives you the basics, the meat and potatoes, if you will, of what Jesus' commands are. If we could just start following that, we could look so much more like our rabbi. And we could really look like we are disciples of Christ. And we could help teach others to do likewise. And remember, surely Jesus is with us always to the very end of the age. No matter what comes, no matter what's present, no matter what's in our past, Jesus is with us. If we're worshiping him right now, if we're doubting him right now, Jesus is still with us to the very end of the age. Hey, thanks for spending time with us today. If you have any questions about what you heard or any interest in learning more about CCF in Iowa, then please email us at ccf.uiowa at gmail.com and we would love to get you connected.